0: And we're back and today we're with one of my bestest friends ever Erin hi yeah she lives somewhere in a land far far away technically I live just outside of Mordor right not too far from Hobbiton and one does not simply go to Mordor it's, no. a, lo- it's a long trip it is
1: from where you live, it is a very long, arduous journey of 26 plus hours in transit.
0: Yeah, the warnings of Sean Bean are very top of mind right now with the new season of Game of Thrones on, which I guess you don't watch it. You guys wait till I it's wait over? I wait for the binge. I wait for the binge. So I do not,
1: I don't know how we did it back in the 1900s when we actually watched television week to week. I no longer have the capacity for that. My emotional depth is low. I can't wait. So I hold out, avoid all the spoilers, avoid everything on the interwebs until the end of the season, and then I will probably consume it all in about 60 hours. So normally it starts on a Friday night, and we finish on Sunday night.
0: So you just don't go on Twitter for,
1: like, a couple months or anything? or? So I go on Twitter, but the thing is, is that you can – you can curate your own experience on the internet if you want to. And I've mostly given up Facebook. And so it's really just Twitter that gives me spoilers. And if you avoid the gifts, you're actually not too bad. And half the time the gifts aren't real anyways. So they'll use mashups of old seasons and stuff. So you don't, as long as you don't read anything that's tagged with Game of Thrones, you're actually not too bad. And I've read the books. So while I know they're not sticking strictly to the script, um, it does help that
0: I don't feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed with spoilers. All right. I love that we've already had our first hit. So Aaron and I used to work together. Now we don't because New Zealand and we have a shared love of uh, film and day and evening drinking. We're still struggling with finding that perfect time to have a cocktail together over Skype, but this works. It's midnight. It is,
1: but It is late for you and it is, a bit early for me. Like I had to actually leave the office on time, which I'm not necessarily known for.
0: Right. And since we're recording remotely and I'm not, you know, at a bar like the original format or at Mel's bar in the new format, I had to pour myself a really not classy kind of juice glass spritzer size of wine. Not proud, but it's keeping the whistle wet. Well, and see, I went for
1: the 750 ml bottle yeah. of of a nice microbrew from around here. So it is a 99 IBU. So I've chosen to moderate in a not so moderated way, but it should be good. Yeah. But, okay. but I, did, I did put it in a, a lady-sized glass. Yes. So I have the bottle as well as the lady-sized glass for my beverage choice today. And. Do you have a festival that you go to now down thereabouts? I do. I think from what I what I understand, it harkens back to the early days of TIFF when it wasn't about celebrity sightings and stuff. It was just about a bunch of sort of middle-aged white people going to the movies um, and seeing a bunch of kind of random things. This year, I didn't go quite as obscure um, for NZIFF, but I did see a couple of, of kind of good things. And what I really enjoyed probably best about festival this year um, was that the films I saw were short. So last year I had one that was, I think, just over three hours, uh, fully in Russian, which was a bit complicated, and it was an actual real time event, which made it a quite a quite a long body of work to see, and I did that on a day that I saw three films, which made it really complicated, and this year I had a bunch that, you know, I did a Friday night film that was over in 75 minutes. I felt quite victorious, so, yeah. Yeah, I think part of my decision-making process for films that I see next year
0: will include length of the film. Yes. And your metric and criteria. That's a big one. That's a big one that I'd say when I was a rookie... Uh, in taking the full week off that I didn't consider. And it's not that I can't see long films. It's that, you know, your 9 a.m. movies, if they go over two hours, that's rough. Because nine times out of ten, you've been up late. Like, even if you haven't been out having cocktails, you've just been up late. Because if you're not taking the week off, maybe you're making up your movie time, uh, doing some extra work. Or if you are taking the week off, you're out in them streets. So it's just... Things like when I saw No Country for Old Man at 9 a.m., I had to see that again in the theater because, one, it's very visceral, and two, it's not a short film. And I didn't feel like I could fully engage with it at that length, at that time of morning. That's, that's fair. I think, like, the one thing that I will say
1: is it doesn't feel like um, New Zealand has the scope or size. So much. There's not as many um, premieres here. <laughs> uh, a lot of things have already played at other festivals, so our festival is just um, in the, the kind of the dregs of wrap up now, and it lasts for like a month, so it's like three and a half weeks or so. Films trickle back and forth. Some things you can actually see two or three screenings of if you really wanted to. And the price is still quite moderate. I think I sent you a, a screenshot of the price of films. I think it was $17.50 for, per film for everything, and then like $21 for the fancy films. Uh, that being said, no people. So there's no really, there, I have never seen directors or live commentary or really the actors don't talk about it. Um, Some of the other types of film festivals, there is a bit of that engagement. But our actual big film festival of the year doesn't have any humans really at it. It's just it's just movie going. It is not. There's nothing but movie going. I guess would be the fair way to put it.
0: Well, I've had uh, one of my first festival interactions, which is my first uh, scaring of a TIFF employee. It usually doesn't happen this early. But I was oh, on, it's like
1: the first week of August.
0: Yeah, I was on King Street last week and Cameron Bailey walked by and I was outside of uh, the Roxy Bar, the one of the new uh, Charlotte Room offspring locations. And I said, hey, Cameron. And he saw me. I know he recognizes me as the woman who frightens him every year, frequently throughout the festival and usually comes up at some point at the end of the week and rambles on about, you know, what a great time. He gave me phrasing. So, yeah, it's uh, great. I've started off early, off to the races, scaring my first programmer slash co-director of the festival.
1: Well, I think what's kind of important, though, for you is you have curated your your curators over the years. To some extent, like you don't even look at certain people and what films they're choosing and you naturally start this exclusion process for your funnel because you do see so many films that when you do fall in love with somebody, you have created a you can, visceral relationship. You can say it's creepy. It's OK. <laughs> it's I don't, I think having known you as well as I do and for as long as I have, your fandom is genuine and kind and sweet and not at all scary. Mm-hmm. However, on the street, possibly after a beverage or two, you might appear scary. So your fandom is actually quite sweet a la Comic Con cosplay dresser, but creepy a la. Dark, scary, wearing a hockey mask at
0: night. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I know your intention is good. Absolutely. Your,
1: your heart is good.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I hope that he's okay. I think he's okay. It'll what do be you see fun. this year? Anything good? Do you uh, think? Uh, what they do with the early announcements, they don't have them fully annotated yet on the site. So you don't know right now at this point which programmer picked which thing of the early announcements. So in a way, that's kind of good because then you get to do kind of a second selection process where you may have a short list and then you see who programmed it and you're like, oh, no, or absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see. And then there's some things that, you know, I'll see regardless, even if it's a programmer or I'll try to see, even if it's a programmer I don't normally jive with, like um, Shape of Water, the new Guillermo del Toro movie. I don't care who's programmed that. I totally want to see that if it fits in the schedule.
1: Well, but that's, that's also a different funnel for your fandom, I guess, because you also do love directors and writers. And do you chase any actors? You mostly follow directors and writers. Producers?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Sometimes. Well, there's now, there's more sort of uh, visibility into the network of uh, female producers before. You may not have recognized names, but now you're starting to. Uh, but I don't think that's not a filter yet, unless it's a name that I've heard of who was maybe front of camera before who's moved into producing. So there's cases where, I mean, like on HBO's season, Big Little Lies was produced by um, Ligally Blonde and somebody else. Like they were part of the producing of that show as well as being in front of the camera so I think now where you're seeing a lot of women who maybe are looking for ways to generate more content where there's just more roles for others uh, you're starting to see names you recognize in that producer line whether or not they're in the film or not so that's interesting too because for someone to fall in love with a property enough or to identify this as something that I want to start building my brand on, that's always interesting to me too, especially if the work they've done in the past doesn't seem like the same kind of topic. it's It's interesting. it's It's getting to a place where uh, the blinds are blurring uh, for who normally does what and you know who you expect to see in certain roles and certain jobs. It's The world's changing, and it's not all bad. Maybe 2017 isn't entirely a dumpster fire. Well, I think I think we
1: can turn a corner if we choose to, right? So you and I've had more than one conversation about being an other uh, and the complexity of others and you know, one of the things that I, the rabbit hole I've fallen down to with the schoolwork that I'm doing even is that how can we even start to measure gender as binary anymore cuz it's not relevant. So it's hard to keep up with the types of otherness that exist now. Um, but we just have to kind of try, and when somebody, for whatever reason, whatever about them, their portfolio sparks your interest, we kind of we have to start to curate that following for them as you know, hopefully, a well-rounded individual. So if you used to be an actor and now you're a producer or a director or a writer or some type of other kind of piece, I think we we just need to start to support the people in whatever place that have a brand we follow or we believe in.
0: Yeah. In my head, I could be wrong though. I mean, also as we all become more aware of things and how people are portrayed and how things are changing, it's interesting to sort of put that lens onto other things and understand things that you wouldn't notice before. So back to Game of Thrones, when you talk about the villains or your antagonists, and one could argue that there is no entirely good or entirely bad character on that show, even, you know, in Amon Targaryen. If I'm going to go, like, if I'm going to try to go for lawful good, like, straight up 100%, I mean, Maester Amon's probably the only one, but we don't even know what kind of dirt he got up to when he was younger, right, before he went to the Wall he could have been into all kinds of nonsense. But the adjectives that are used to describe um, the male villains versus the female villains, so the adjectives that you'll get for maybe a Ramsay versus a uh, Cersei, like that's still an area where you need to understand maybe some things will never be 100% equal. There's always going to be challenges around perception, it's almost easier to fall back into those traditional uh, data attributes of list of values, if you will, for uh, the genders on, you know, fantasy-based TV shows, because it's less obviously sketchy than when people do it about people in business. So when a woman's described as, you know, aggressive or other things in the business world, People will maybe notice right away. They may not do anything, but they'll notice right away. But when Cersei gets like the b-word first all the time, I mean, then you sort of you don't normally flag it. Like it doesn't make your radar go off, even though one could argue the same word could be applied to Ramsay, but wasn't as often.
1: Well, and I I think there's a a fine line in that. We use the levers that we know, and, and I say we universally as writers, content consumers, whatever, but, you know, the woman's the woman's weapon is poison and the man's weapon is the sword or whatever the case might be, any of those, I'm going to call them flat, gender-stereotyped pieces, you know, then we get somebody in, in the Game of Thrones world like Brienne, who is, you know, a different story. However, then she gets all sorts of negative derogatory comments because there's nothing feminine about that. It's that we we still have to learn how to question our stereotypes, right? So, you know, is Cersei less evil than Ramsay um, for not, you know, being a person who flays the skin off people's hands? You
0: know what? I'm going to say if Cersei had her hands on her little brother she might remove his favorite toy.
1: Fair enough. Right. So this is, I guess, this is the complexity of modern people often have uglier truths than we like the stereotypes to be. And it's funny because I was actually, we've revisited the Sopranos in our house because neither myself nor my partner had actually watched it end to end. So we've just gone to season four And have watched it. And one, you got to say, good writing holds up, which is something that I find very exciting as a consumer of content. But the Sopranos really followed kind of gender normative stereotypes that were sort of cultural and all of the pieces of, you know, the wife stays at home and blah, 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 and all the breadwinners. But a lot of the, the choices that they actually make with the characters are surprising because every time they choose not to embrace the stereotype and do something that's, you know, possibly that of the opposite gender, it becomes quite accepted. And I think that's kind of magical because they're sort of changing the rules of who becomes the what in the household. And I think that's kind of cool. But we have to not want to consume the content that has the fluffy stereotypes in it all the time. And I'm, you know... I love a good guilty pleasure film where, you know, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, they overcome their obstacle and they come back together. But the reality is most of life doesn't exist that way. So it is what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Life isn't always that way. It could be maybe one day for some people, but you know, they just had the finale of the bachelorette tonight and it got real weird on the internet People don't like her choice. Well, not all people. I guess the guy she chose is happy, but it seems like overwhelmingly Bachelorette Nation isn't into it. And I haven't watched an entire full season of The Bachelor since, I think, Tristan Ryan. But um, this season, uh, not just because of Black Bachelorette, but also because of, you know, being fun employed, I found a hole and I filled it with trash. (laughs) And it was uh, really interesting to see that paradigm of this is how this experience this journey is supposed to go apply to relationships because one of the sticking points with one of the suitors was at the end of this you have to propose to me or like you're not going to be one of the people who is there at the end and this was a conversation they had throughout the season and trying to put the how things are supposed to be on the real life that's on one hand a, a challenge on the other hand You signed up for a show that's literally designed to do that. It's not like, oh, this is a surprise twist. It's not like a Joe Millionaire situation. So No.
1: When you sign up for something that has
0: a profile. uh, You have one job at the end. a
1: A template. Yeah. There is a way that this goes, this proceeds. And if you do not follow that procedure, then you kind of, you break the internet. And the internet doesn't like it.
0: Like if uh, your style um, guide has Calibri in it, you don't go throwing in Comic Sans.
1: Well, I don't know if the internet knows how you feel about Comic Sans, but I do. So effectively you just slandered them, yeah, but you're right. I'm sorry. That, that was aggressive. Yeah, that was a bit aggressive. Like I was thinking more like Calibri, Ariel Narrow. but you're right. Yes. Yeah. Don't the rules or the internet will hate you. But I guess the, the thing is, is that if that's the content that we hope to consume, then I want that, if I want a guilty pleasure movie, I do want it to meet my criteria of a guilty pleasure movie. And I don't, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that we also have to broaden our horizons and watch things that don't end quite the way we expect them to. Which I did see at Film Fest this year, which was the party, and it didn't end in a way I expected to. Um, however, while it did meet a number of criteria It was the whitest movie I've seen in a while. Uh, Despite being sort of a black and white sepia tone, there was no mixture in races or any of those choices. So I was quite surprised by that. Um, However, great ending. Finally a twist for something that I wasn't expecting, which I really appreciate um, as a rare gift.
0: Yeah, it's nice to have a surprise. And I think with that segue, we can move right into our discussion of the movie that we both just saw, Atomic Blonde. So, yeah. Let's start with a positive. Uh, the original mandate uh, back when I started these with Jay was sort of the hooray for everything. Uh, because, you know, we aren't professionals and there's enough people pooping on things. Uh So we tried, even if we hadn't seen something we didn't like, there's always in any act of creation, a good intent or good elements. Uh, And even if it's just her clothes. So
1: I I think (laughs) I think the wardrobe was fantastic. Amazing. The coloration I found really good. I found that. They saturated when they needed to. Yes. So there were you know, scenes of the wall that were saturated with these rich colors of graffiti and stuff that was just fantastic. And then we would go into other scenes that were really uh, almost monochromatic. And I found that that contrast made my brain stay active. Um, and that could be sort of the the graphic novel element of it. I haven't read the original graphic novel, so I can't speak to how close it or far it was from what they promised me. I was going for pure entertainment. Um, I did it in gold class, and I had a gl- lovely glass of wine. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. overall, I mean, my experience was not bad at all. Um, but I would say that in contrast to many of the other things, it might not be moving women forward. So I guess choose your adventure on that.
0: I'm going to say under the heading of elevating the material, 100% with anybody less skilled as an actor, I think it would have been not as watchable. I think that there... There is something about her specifically in that role that gave uh, a plot that was fairly... It seemed very Choose Your Own Adventure at the end. It almost seemed like they shot two or three different movies and just edited together the best-looking ones. But that's okay, because I feel like she made me believe in that moment what she was saying, even though we went down a few different paths with her and her motivation. So I did like that. I did like as well, there was no question about where your focus was in every single scene where it needed to be. And it was always her as much as, you know, I loved wonder woman. I do feel like the pine, uh, your Steve Trevor, which, you know, he's the partner he definitely pulls focus more than a Lois gets to a Superman or more than any other, you know, partner or like uh, sidekick does. I feel like that just may be the case of the fact that, you know, I'm super thirsty for Chris Pine. Like maybe it's that Kirk nonsense. Maybe that's just me. But I definitely feel like, uh, you know, McAvoy or, uh, you know, Professor X the Remix he, I like him in so many things, and in Wanted, definitely, I was surprised at how much I would follow him, even though he was in a movie with Angelina Jolie. Uh, but in this, I definitely feel like in every scene, in every moment, it w- I was always focused on Charlize, and I was happy to be focused there. Like, she was doing good things.
1: Well, she's Magnetic. Right. So, I mean, I have to admit that while I feel that there was not as much need for bathtub scenes as they did spend time on, she is dynamic. And even with almost none of her showing, just walking in sunglasses, fully coated and clothing and booted and all of the complete ensemble, she still is this presence and she creates um, quite a dynamic on screen. Approach, but we've seen that in everything really that she's done, right? So, you know, my first time really thinking that she was anything more than um, maybe the the Dior model, I guess in my head was Monster, and the person that I was um, have always had a crush on on screen was Christina Ricci, and she really did kind of fulfill an amazing dynamic across that film that has made me trust her more in anything else that she does because of that. If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: And Sophia Botella finally got to act. And I think she also has a dance background. There's this one shot where you just see the, both of them in a hallway and it was just like loving these very sort of, yes, they're, you know, bodies are still their bodies, but their bodies felt more like they could do things with them. Like, I I felt not, you know, menace or threat, but, like, that they were capable of more than being just decorative. Uh, both of those actresses have, like, a dance background at some point in their lives. Uh, Sophia Batella recently, because just she's younger. But, yeah, like, that I liked as well, that the other female character, um, while... Maybe some classic trope things uh, happen to her in the third act. Not to spoil it, uh, I feel like in general she got to do things like the Mummy and even Star Trek. I feel like she's you know buried under makeup and not getting to have a performance this time. I actually got to see her like emote, and so even Kingsman, the first one. I I mean I love the whole you know jumping scissor legs thing, but. Um, she was a caricature, not a character.
1: That's very fair. And what I was actually struck by is you're right. They both appeared powerful. They appeared strong and capable, right? They appeared like they weren't, they weren't going to say, Ooh, when somebody hit them, they were going to move and mechanically follow through with stuff. But what was strange for me is that. Um, in the trailers, and trailers are actually one of my favorite parts of going to movies in the theater. In the trailers, there was a trailer for the 3D T2 that's coming out next year. And I can remember the debates about, shoot, Linda Evans? Is Linda Hamilton. Evans the ha- Linda Hamilton, yes. Um, about her muscles in T2. About how she was too strong and too wiry and too blah, blah, blah. Mm, I when loved first-
0: her ropey, ropey arms.
1: Except for the fact that you look at it, and in contrast to these strong, kind of capable modern women in a modern film, she wasn't all that different. No. And so my brain actually connected to, you know, our stereotypes of what strong looks like have changed, because we judged Lyndall Hamilton, and I remember there being so much debate about her doing chin-ups. I think there's a scene where she's doing chin-ups. Oh, yeah, right in the beginning, when the doctor walks by and she says hello. And it being such a big deal because this woman had muscles and then these other two women who are very capable. And I mean, dance, while I have no skills in it, dance is physical and requires talent and flexibility and muscle and all these things. And I just, I liked that mashup in my head of what we used to think a strong woman looked like and now what we define as beautiful and the two can actually come together. So...
0: Yes, and right now, all Twitter, not just Black Twitter, is very excited about... Anna, uh, or Rihanna's pictures from, uh, her trip back home. It's sort of like a carnival type thing that's happening in her homeland right now. I don't know if you've gone on Twitter. You probably shouldn't go on Twitter on Mondays in general, because if there's every day that you're going to be likely to be spoiled on Game of Thrones, it's Mondays or Tuesdays for you. But yeah, there's a honestly all you need to do is just search for an image of Rihanna right now she's wearing sort of her carnival gear and her body she's not even thick she's just like maybe two pounds more than what she normally is and it may even just be the angle in the costume but yes it's it's interesting to see that um, I'm sure there's still voices out there that are you know trying to keep people in a small hungry box of no carbs and sandwiches but there's way more voices out there that are appreciating not just one type of body anymore and where the linda hamilton's back in the day seems so aberrant like it totally resonated with me like that was you know what made me want to start doing you know weights in the gym and not just cardio and other things but for most people and a lot of you know even other people i've You know, when I've had gym buddies, they're like, oh, no, I don't want to do weights. I don't want to get too, like, bulky. It's like, I'm sorry, unless you're training with, like, a former Mossad guy like she was, you're not going to get like that. It's not going to happen.
1: Yeah, and quite honestly, so what if you do? I don't know. There was a great great image comparison um, talking about how there was a picture of a Barbie and a picture of He-Man. And there was all these criticisms about how Barbie doesn't look real. And then just like question marks under the He-Man. And I was like, okay, but, you know, I I aligned with She-Ra, who had muscles. Now, she wasn't He-Man-sized muscles, but the character that I always, you know, She-Ra, princess of power, I totally got with with that in my head. And then I look at it, and I'm like, you know, people like Michelle Obama, who were regular people who could do press-ups, they, they made the world better for all of us. Or I guess Michelle Obama's not a regular person, but...
0: yeah. But, you know, close it's enough. close
1: to a regular person. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess the former First Lady of America doesn't count as a regular person, but you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: But, yeah, it's a uh, – I love the tangents. This is great. I, I feel like no matter who I record with, we just, like, wander down a road, and then I remember, right, Atomic Blonde. Uh, the plot, the one spoiler I had going in – Uh, basically every headline said this, so I don't feel bad about spoiling this for listener, is uh, the plot, just forget it. Like, don't worry about it. Like, don't try to follow it. Don't try to wait for it to make sense. Just follow along uh, on the all kick-punchy goodness because it is what it is. Well,
1: and we're not hoping for an Oscar. No. I think we have to remember... And I don't know, maybe it's because I've become more pragmatic as a consumer of content. I, I saw this on a Sunday afternoon in Gold Class drinking wine. What I wanted was a Sunday afternoon in Gold Class drinking wine. I was looking to be entertained. I wasn't looking to, to make me think or any of those things. Um, what made me think in strange comparison was last week I actually watched To the Bone, which is the new Keanu Reeves that's on Netflix. Um, and that did actually make me think. Really? How, yeah. Well, because strange body image issues as a woman, and you see somebody perfect like Charlize Theron or or any number of a million women out there that are our versions of perfect. And so I watched it one night last week. Uh, and then the next day, The Magic of Internet Memories, I was flashed up with something of me seeing a picture of old me when I felt very, very fit and I felt very strong and I was like, oh, well, look at that flaw, look at that flaw, look at that flaw and thinking, but I know how strong I was at that time and how powerful I felt with the strength that I had and how glad I am that I'm not one of those waif-like humans that can't, I don't know, lift a box And it's strange how our brains work in that we're very judgmental. And I'd always kind of remembered yesteryear in this capacity as being strong and fit and perfect and my own projected version of me looking like Charlize Theron, which feel free listeners, you can laugh. Uh, But in my head, that's, that's how I'd sort of projected my historical version of me to be. And the reality was, is I looked actually pretty similar to how I do today, which is fine. There's nothing wrong, but... Yeah, in comparison, To the Bone makes you think a little bit about how good life is and how grateful we should be that we are relatively healthy. Um, This was just about entertainment.
0: I think part of it's a confidence thing, though, because when we went to RollerCon, watching that many women together moving around, filling their space in their hot pants and fishnets and... Their gear and their ink and their colors and everything else, um, the way every woman occupied their space there, every woman was their you know version in their head of their Charlie's or their whatever like they all looked amazing, but their bodies were not the same. Uh, well, I, I really can... love that experience
1: we can be strong without being sane. And I think that's the thing that we all have to sort of come to terms with. And even if you were to compare the two kind of call them leading women, very like both definitely strong, both definitely lean, very different body styles still with the two of them. And uh, once again, okay, this is going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but kudos to Charlize Theron for multiple in her bra shots without having any enhancement. Just just want to shout that out, because as a woman with lots of cleavage, I see a lot of movies where or film where someone with lesser cleavage does enhance in order to be shot on screen. Yeah, and she or public like, city. Wow. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Well done, you be yeah,
0: awesome. The other thing I really liked is that she had bruises after a fight. I feel like even The Rock with his, you know, you know. Enhanced rockness, because he really isn't human. He's he's something else altogether. And his I can't mo- help
1: but have a crush on him still, though. Yeah, I his
0: his, his you know caramel colored goodness. You have all these huge hand to hand fight scenes in these movies, these set pieces, and then you see them planning like the next activity back in the bunker, garage, cave you know eerie whatever the next day and nobody has any bruises like maybe there's sort of like one obvious injury on like the funny character person but for the most part you don't see bruises like I loved um and I don't know if it was a combination maybe it's from the source material maybe it's from the graphic novel maybe it's from you know writer director makeup whatever but she had visible bruises in places where you would have bruises after you know doing a lot of hallway close quarters fighting. I think I haven't seen... uh, You know, the only other show that I've seen that does something that well was maybe first season Daredevil, where, you know, Matt Murdock would look pretty toe-up the next day, like, as he's, you know, easing into his suit.
1: Yes, but... Um, his were big purple bruises. Hers Mm -hmm. were actually like the, the last couple of scenes, she's wearing a sleeveless ensemble and you just see this one arm is sort of like, she, she has her entire arm. Looks like people have grabbed at her arm in a bunch of different ways. and so I'm going to call them shadow bruises. So there was no big black mark a la daredevil. There was no scary purple green coloration. It was just this like, gray shadow of I've had the crap beaten around and I've been bounced around a bunch of things and, and I have
0: bounced other people around. Yeah. And
1: I'm carrying some of this wreckage with me and the bathtub scenes, I think were while definitely unnecessary to just shoot a beautiful woman head to toe looking in a mirror so we can see her bum. But in that sort of that piece, there was just these shadow bruises all over her, which probably from a makeup perspective is easier to accomplish than really realistic purpley green crazy bruising, but it was actually quite. I felt quite real in that there was you know lines of bruising and and things that looked like they would have been finger marks of somebody manhandling somebody,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the fight scenes replicated those types of movements.
0: Yeah, so. but even that was kind of a dancer thing. I was <laughs> watching. <laughs> I was watching the the BuzzFeed Try Guys. They did. Uh, the Try Guys Try Ballet and they were talking to uh, the principal ballerina from this company who was taking them through a couple routines and she talked about how you know every night you go home and you ice and you know just your body's constantly just beat up and toe up and you go home and you ice and you rest and you know elevate when it's elevated tape what needs taping and then you come in the next day and you do it all again and yeah so even that well yes the idea of you know, submerging a a naked Skrullis in icy water and then watching her, you know, go about her day. But even that, like it wasn't, you didn't see a lot of, you know, putting on the stocking shot or, you know, any kind of application of lotions and creams. It was very much, you know, glass on the ground Cause she's so sore. She can't even lift her arm and like reaching into the ice thing. And I did like the bookend of her reaching into the ice bucket in the movie. Like they did some nice basic, good, like visual storytelling things. So like her constantly reaching and grabbing the ice, tossing in the vodka. And you also, know, every time did you notice a cube always misses. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought I found that visually very stimulating.
1: It's like just that it's that clumsy muscles damage, tiredness, where it's close enough
0: yeah it's like I, I, I'm gonna grab what I'm gonna grab I'm gonna see what lands yeah yeah so that I liked because it, it was in a way not it, and who knows the why of it and again we both haven't read the graphic novel but I did like the way it was just sort of very matter of fact of if you've been you know, in a series of, you know, hand to hand, fairly violent interactions and you're preparing for your next day at work. And it wasn't all about, you know, watching her get pretty and put herself into something, you know, tight and sexy. It was like, ugh, Mondays. It was very that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was It was definitely more of a Voltaire and, and tape situation rather than a, hang on just a second, let me reapply my stockings because you haven't spent enough time zoomed in on my calf, which is is fair. But it's, it's funny that you kind of align the the strong, powerful women with the roller con instance in that, you know, some, some amazing women in my life that still play roller derby and are kind of these strong, powerful women breaking stereotypes. The thing is, is that it is about ice and tape Mm -hmm. and bruise recovery. And I have to admit that, you know, there's, there's not much in my life that I can say has damaged me twice, but roller derby did damage. It I did manage to break both my legs playing that sport with an array of women from 40 kilos or sort of, you know, 85 pounds up to, you know, well over 100 kilos or sort of 250 plus pound women that are from every height and every weight and every race and every gender orientation and sexuality, um, on the, on the scale. And they represent sort of this kind of holistic, all of the humans environment of strength, which I think is where, you know, in our perfect world, that's where we're going to try and get to, right. In my, in my future where we all are friends and nobody is, is getting sassy Um, I see us all getting along that way where I can, I don't know, I guess I can bash into everyone equally. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Hip checks for everyone. Yeah. I mean, overall, I, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who didn't like a John Wick type film, but I would also tell them don't go in expecting a John Wick type film because there's much less uh extra stuff happening it's it's a fairly it feels like an indie version of John Wick
1: well and it's not a think piece yeah right embrace that this is tertiary entertainment a couple of lovely scenes with John Goodman whom i love i do i love yeah. John Goodman all of the things from Roseanne all the way forward, um, including the random indie film or I guess not so indie film. What do we see? Uh, the Kevin Smith one where he plays the bad guy.
0: Oh, red, oh, red oh, state, red state, red, red state. state.
1: Yes. There we go. Um, I love John Goodman holistically end to end. Um, uh, I think James McAvoy is charming and I feel like a part of me, We have really commercialized all of the sort of the Afghanistan, war conflict, Black Hawk Down, blah, blah, blah scenes. And there is not very much talking about Berlin and Mm. the fall. And I think that we could all use a little bit more awareness around those pieces because I would say that to some extent, I remember the fall of the wall, but I don't know about the fall of the wall well enough. And I think that we should all probably become a little bit more aware.
0: Well, a nation divided. I mean, really, was there ever a nation more divided than Berlin at that time with the wall? And you talk about, you know, having a sharp divide in politics, ideology and a physical wall. It it does. It seems timely if you look at some of those attributes of the film. But, you know whatever. We're not going to get into any of that right now. I will say that it was nice to see sort of that old school villain thing, but then they kept flipping it on its head of, you know, who's working with whom and what else is going on. I love the way it looked. I like that, especially towards the end, they finally put her in some flat shoes. It was sort of acknowledging she's been running a lot and, you know, uh, more than two inch, you know, booty and or pump. I like that. You know, they showed her taking off her shoes for certain activities. And she's like, I got to go to work right now. I got to do things.
1: Well, and she did also acknowledge that I would have dressed differently.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, I mean, I know that, um, the personal realization I had, um, when I was at grad school in France and saw all of these women wearing fantastic shoes that had really stable heels so they could handle cobblestones. And that's when I decided that I should abandon the stiletto heel because I like wearing tall shoes, but I don't like being like subway greats in Toronto, for example, are they're shit. They destroy your shoes. They break ankles. They're terrible, but a good stable heel is a, a thoughtful thing. And uh, And yeah, she did, she did say, you know, I would have dressed differently. Whereas for me,
0: almost all of my heels are very sensible and thick and stacked, but I have one, like a really cute pair of boots now that have a really, really skinny heel. And when I wear them, I mean, they're comfortable because you know me, I can't wear a comfortable shoe, but it's still, I have to be very, you know, Batman rules, like aware of my surroundings because, you know, any crack or Great or anything, and it's game over. But when I wear those shoes, like I just feel like I'm wearing these shoes. These shoes are not wearing me, and they're very noticeable. And I think it's again, it's because it's something I don't normally wear or do. So it's even more noticeable. It's not like I'm wearing, you know, skinny heels every day.
1: It's interesting that you say that because I've abandoned skinny heels in my wardrobe full stop. So about a year and a half ago, I switched to a capsule wardrobe, and that means that my footwear choices are limited. Which, while hard for me originally emotionally, uh, has been really great for me budgetarily. But all I have are stacked heels. And so I do have some very tall shoes still. Um, but by having nothing but stacked heels, I, I can tell you that I do know that feeling. But I don't, I don't seek it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mostly because cobblestones and sidewalks are the fucking devil. There. And staircases with weird things. Um, you just... Aesthetics and common sense are not friends.
0: Yeah. So. No. Those shoes have been worn five times ever. And I've had them for three years now. So it's not like they're a regular outing shoe. Like, you know, parties, Christmas parties or, you know, big presentation, you know, sea level pitches. And... One job interview, which I'm rethinking that now. Like it looked great in the whole ensemble, but now I'm just kind of thinking I probably would have been more comfortable if I'd been wearing something that I wasn't so scared of, like walking in.
1: That's fair. And I feel like I, now one of the criteria I do make is any shoes I wear, regardless of the type of footwear, is that I should be able to navigate um, at my normal walking pace anywhere in the world. Um, so that could be an airport or an office building or a staircase or uh, a cobblestone street or a subway grates, and I should be safe. And so because I've made that my criteria, I can pretty much run in any of my footwear uh, and I feel good about those choices because I do feel stable. It's not, it's not as feminine. It's not as sexy, but it is very functional.
0: And then I think of the latest Jurassic park and I think, would I be wanting to wear these shoes if some sort of, Crazy giant hybrid dinosaur got out of its pen no, no, which is why I want to be able to drive. Yeah. I want to be able to drive. like we need to be wearing shoes for the apocalypse because it does feel very end of timesy sometimes, like am I ready for a uh, insert monster apocalypse here in these shoes, or at least do I have a pair of kicks in my knapsack to change into
1: yeah, which is fair the The footwear change was my my very common answer was that I ended up with like a field of shoes under my desks in many workplaces, um, so that I could wear, you know, walk to work in Converse and switch to something that was more business appropriate. But
0: now I'm thinking of if there's a zombie apocalypse, what percentage of women wearing skinny heels might be caught just because they can't run as fast versus what percentage of women might get away Because they're actually wearing two weapons on their feet.
1: Uh, See, I will sacrifice the weapon for the fact that I can run fast.
0: Yeah, well, I take off the shoes, but I'd use, I'd hold those shoes and use them to like punch zombies in the head. So I was
1: actually listening to uh, Geeks and Beats, Beats and Geeks, whatever the Alan Cross podcast, and there were it, somehow i ended up into a, a one about Foley sounds and all i can think now is that they were talking about the you know crunching on gravel and whatever and now i'm thinking about the sound that a uh, stiletto will make as a weapon hmm um, quite a magic of Foley artistry to get the crunch and the the smuck sound all at the same time but i digress So yes, Atomic Blonde, I think it's worth seeing. I think it's worth seeing on a big screen. Thank you. Uh, Because it is a big screen. It is visually, like back to my very first point, it is visually stunning. And Charlize Theron as the heroine and leading character, I think is fantastic on a big screen because she is... She is larger than life in a kind of a beautiful visual screen filling sense. Uh, I don't know that it would translate on an airplane seat. And it's always funny because I usually save things like romantic comedies and silly films that I wouldn't watch otherwise for airplanes. And this is one that I think would actually be wasted on an airplane seat because you wouldn't get any of the, the color and you'd be left with something that doesn't have that much plot Or that much storyline. And James McAvoy, who I actually find incredibly attractive, Mm -hmm. has no hair, which I find to be an obstacle for him in this film. Because he's not as pretty with no hair.
0: Whereas I just Uh, think, take the rest of it off and then he's at his most attractive because he's almost Xavier.
1: See, and it's funny because actually one of the things that I did think was I found him very believable in the role of... um, black market agent. Mm -hmm. So no, no spoilers or anything, but he, he does play a role of, of the, the East and West of the wall. And I felt that that was quite realistic and I
0: don't know why, but I aligned to it really comfortably. Yes. Someone who's been under too long pun. Unfortunately not intended. Yeah, it was, yeah, I'd recommend it. And I'd also say one of the things I love about this summer is there isn't just one story of, oh, my goodness, this movie with woman in it or woman behind the camera did something good because there was too many. Like, you had this. You had one Woman. You had Girl's Trip. Like, this summer, um, there isn't the story of, like, the one thing that is such a surprise. Like, you're one, you know, first Sex in the City movie. You're one whatever. You're one Bridesmaids. And I think this summer there's been uh, sort of... Female-led movie in most genres that have yeah. performed well or been reviewed well, or both in some cases.
1: Which is is a fair statement. The only thing that I would like to do is I would like to see more women, more women of age. In that, I think Charlize Theron's now in her forties, but you know Robin Wright Penn in Wonder Woman. I can't help but be madly in love with Robin Wright, anyways. Mm-hmm. Or she's not right anymore.
0: I think is she's she? just—I don't know. She's what Anyhow, she She's what she wants to be.
1: I, you know, Princess Buttercup in all of her magic is still a magical character to me, and I want to see women being strong on screen, and I want to see women that have movement in their face on screen. Yeah. So. So I want, I I do, maybe it's selfish of me, but I want more of that. Maybe because I'm about to be a woman of a certain age. But I know that um, the, the intellect, the articulation, the creativity and the craft that is associated with developing over time is magic. And I want more of that. And I don't care if that is, I don't care who it is. But I I don't want to not see people because they're not 25. Um, So I do want more scripts that have interesting characters. And what did I see that had that?
0: Um, So the movie that has a woman of a certain age is what? Annette Bening. Oh, Um, yeah. 20th century women. So it's got
1: Elle Bening and Greta Gerwig and a number of kind of, I'm going to call them tertiary other characters. But Annette Bening is magical as far as I'm concerned. And she's really quite talented, and she is not 22. Uh-huh. And, but Elle Fanning is really becoming something that is quite fantastic. Anyhow, if you haven't seen 20th Century Women, um, it's definitely worth seeing. Um, and it's set in 79. And maybe it's because these are people who um, who look like something different or the story that they're, they're telling is something different. But I think that we need more of that and I think we need more voices that are complex and screwed up instead of meeting the formula. Yeah. Yeah, just real people. So, yeah, and I mean these women have some wrinkles. Yeah. Probably some supported less by great skincare regimes. But I think, yeah, I think that they're amazing. And I mean, like people like Diane Keaton and Maggie Smith and Diane Lane and all of them, really, all of the women.
0: I mean, but we do need to remember that there's, you know, the black dress challenge for this. You may not get to see the lines for them until like a plus 10 to 15 year situation for their uh, compatriots of uh, a different background.
1: Yeah, but I mean, how old is Viola Davis? She's definitely not 22 anymore.
0: No, she isn't, but she doesn't look... You're not getting the lines that you may... No, but I'm
1: getting getting the...
0: What I'm looking for is carriage. She's the same age as Robin Wright, allegedly, according to IMDb.
1: IMDb says 1965, yeah. yeah. So carriage, I think there's something about carriage... For women of a certain age, that the way they carry their body, the confidence they carry, I think that on film we need to see more of that.
0: Yeah, and Angela Bassett, we're going to see her soon yeah. in uh, Black Panther. Uh, she's yeah. 58. Oh, I can't wait to see Black Panther. I'm so excited. I can't even. Hey, how are your people, or your adoptive people, uh, doing with all the Thor Ragnarok laid up? Um, My adoptive people.
1: I think everybody is good. I think the the piece that I'm struggling with a little bit is our political landscape is interesting here right now. Um, and I think that's going to make a lot of, a lot of choices for, for women in my community right now. Um, other than that, I think that we can never have too many superheroes Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I've, I've been madly in love with, um, I I would call it, I guess I would call it the sci-fi comic genre, but strong, powerful women and men who break rules. That's, that's my genre of choice. So I don't really care what they are or who they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was thinking about it a little bit and the, the content that I was exposed to as a kid. And the reason that I think I always sort of tipped over that sort of millennial Gen Gen Y line for most of my life is because, you know, I was exposed to Sweet Valley High and Anne of Green Gables. And the generation after me got, like, Katniss Everdeen and Hermione Granger. And I feel like our tween fiction quality is going up because we have more interesting characters. And while, yes, they're still definitely anglo-saxon european white women we probably have some work to do there but i think we we have more interest in that that genre
0: god i love dan of green gables
1: oh have you watched dan with an e the new one on netflix now it's not Megan follows who I grew up with on CBC as a
0: kid. Yeah, no, I can't because it's not even about Megan follows. I love her, but it, I can't imagine loving another Gilbert as much as the Crosby. It was just me and that Gilbert. He's 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 the OG. He's the original so I, Gilbert.
1: So I don't know that you'll love the Gilbert, but I think I might actually. So the Anne is a little bit less perfect. Megan Falls was beautiful and magical. And I grew up with Anne of Green Gables. And actually, the conversation I had as a sidebar with my mother about Marilla Ugh. was that this Marilla might actually be better. <gasps> um, I think it's it's worth a watch. Shut if your you filthy are, mouth. If you are a fan of Lucy Maud Montgomery. Uh, but it, it's funny because I I have this terrible habit of rereading everything that I've ever read. And a couple of years ago, I reread everything. Um, I read, reread all of the Lucy Montmontgomery, Montgomery. So the entire sequence of Anne of Green Gables. And I always forget that, you know, the girl who broke a slate on Gilbert's head did eventually bear his children. Um, but in the kind of in the process of all of those things, she becomes quite a modern woman of her time. She went to university. She became a a school teacher. She broke a lot of boundaries as a woman in her time. Um, But she got to be this, this other piece of the story where she became, you know, the mother of children who went off to war and all these other things. Um, But yeah, the new, the new story reminded me how much I love, a beautiful story and the literature of the time and how proud I am of Canadian literature and I'm saving the handmaid's tale. Uh, yes, I do love the handmaid's tale. I love the idea of Canadian literature on screen. And I like the idea of the obstacles that the women around us throw down. Um, not necessarily intentionally, sometimes sometimes out of good intention, but I think that that's something that we need to have dialogue about. But I think we also need to do that on that sort of a modern landscape.
0: And I honestly, like, I cannot get through, I'm still stuck on like episode two of the show. And I haven't read the book since I was an English major. And now I remember why it, Again, it's one of those things I feel like the real world has tapped out my capacity for the subjugation of people and watching it for entertainment. It's just I got it's beautiful. It's great. It's some of the best performances from all of these uh, great actresses and actors. But God damn, it's a rough ride. Unfortunately, pun intended. So, you know. Uh, I'm a, I'm a wait till maybe the world gets better And that's me being optimistic uh, Or at least that we have a window of maybe a few good things happening To try to get back into uh, Handmaid's Tale of the Show At least and finish it up
1: Well, I'm going to revisit the book Before I really dive into the series And I think that you're fair to say That you can't take any more dark Mm-hmm I think it's simplistic way to describe it, but I think that we definitely are not half full as a as a human race right now. No, um, yeah. And I, I say this living in a first world country where people complain about winter, and I use you know my Canadian air quotes where my winter gear is in a plastic bin in the garage labeled "snow" because. <laughs> I don't need any real winter clothes here and people wear toques and beanies and stuff. And I've been guilty of it too, when it's, you know, 11 degrees outside. So that being said, I think that the the cup half fullness needs to, we need to be in a place where we can emotionally handle things that are heavy um, because when we're already compromised, taking too much heavy on is, it's just a lot and a couple of weeks ago, I spent an entire weekend watching nothing but escapism. I went down an entirely guilty pleasure path that included Pitch Perfect and Legally Blonde mm-hmm. and Freak It On and anything that could follow every modern trope known to man, all stories I knew, all things that I knew, because I didn't have the room. And I think that it's okay to not have the
0: room. But I will say all of those would pass the Bechdel test.
1: Um, possibly, because I do I do like a leading female. Um, and I do like a, a strong leading female. Um, as an aside, but I think that it's still, you know, they all still had a, a man in the story saving the day at the end, which not
0: necessarily true. In the real world. Yeah, no. Yeah. But yeah, I think we'll uh, wrap it up there. And next time, uh, we'll talk about our special non-totally movie-focused topic that we're going to put some work into after we see how this goes. But this was great. And I think on days when I don't have to be up early, this might be our perfect time for us both to be having a not-super-strong cocktail or other
1: now the one thing that you didn't do and i know that i don't count as a i don't know i guess a, a white female is the woke meter oh
0: yeah but oh for the first believe for, for,
1: that you should do some square so cineseft calls this a 7.9 uh-huh. uh, which is i think is much because of the popularity of the people who score this for visually stimulating and Charlize Theron is naked a couple of times. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. I think in terms of entertainment score, like woke or
0: not woke for atomic blonde,
1: I I think you need to score it. I I think
0: I'm i I'm a give it a woke on the, the lady stuff. And that you she,
1: don't, don't have anybody of color. Uh, so.
0: I, I don't know what Sophia Batella's background is she's a question mark for me, but Okay that's but, okay. She's a question mark. I'm not going to Google because I look forward to the real uh, fictional post-racial world where people don't get asked what they are. Um, so, but I'm going to say that I think at least for the fact that um, women had jobs, that involved them, you know, doing things either with the weapons or their brains or technology or all the above, and there was more than one woman doing that. I'm going to give it the uh, woke.
1: Excellent. I would agree with you, though I don't feel like I deserve a voice on this matter. You can, You 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 have a vagine. I, I have the lady bits, and what I do like is I liked. Well, I mean, I always come back to the Bechdel test in that named characters have a purpose other than just to serve men. Yeah. So I, I think from that perspective, as a white female, I feel like that that, that definitely met my radar. Uh, however, Germany in 1989 probably wasn't terribly mixed racial. No, no. So I don't feel that that was not aligning to the time. However, I guess that's the the messy part of our storytelling.
0: Yeah, not everything has to try to put things in. Although not everything should erase things that may have existed. I think that there's it's much more nuanced than a straight you know Bechdel test. It's it's so nice and clean that one, like two females with a name talking to each other. About something other than a man. Whereas. um, This gets into a very subjective. Thing that. Is different for. You know so many different people. If you look at. uh, The difference between the. uh, Chief character. And in uh, Wonder Woman. uh, From uh, Slipknot. In Suicide Squad. Where I you know, I feel like Adam Beach was very underserved by that character. And that other character actually had, you know, maybe not a lot of lines, but you got to like, see something about him and his background and his motivation. Also, you know, his day job that he was doing now. So it wasn't all about, you know, the horrible history of his people. It's like, that was acknowledged as something that informs him as, as a person, but it was also, you know, you got to see when they got to the trenches, like how happy people were to see him because, they're not thinking about, you know, the poor, you know, First Nations, Indigenous person. They're just thinking, oh, my God, this is the guy that brings us like fresh chocolate and smokes, like super jazz to see you.
1: No, and that's, that's fair. And I think that that's the piece that we have to remember is that our modern lens doesn't always fit the not modern time. So when we write new stories, when we create new stories, we have to be aware of that. And when we write old stories, much like, you know, Gal Gadot got to wear fantastic modern fabrics when the reality would have been that she would have been rocking, you know, old school wool. Uh, You know, I think I think there's those pieces that, yes, there's there's obstacles to time binding anything. Uh, And 1989 in Berlin for the context of this film probably was a complicated time full of a lot of people who looked similar if not the same but we did have women leading controlling the screen definitely controlling the script and if we were to play the the math game of lines which i know some of the the reviewers have started to do is how many lines does each character get mm. how many times do they appear on screen um i know the the data is beautiful stream on Reddit is full of, I think they did Firefly and, um, they did Star Trek. They did next generation Star Trek to decide how many characters had, how many lines over the entire space of the series. Um, I think that's where we start to get really interesting in that the volume is changing over time. So we can change the story that we want to tell for tomorrow.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited about the Joss Whedon edit of, uh, Justice League, because he did, and I mean, we'll leave Age of Ultron out of it, but he did like a masterstroke with the original Avengers when people went and did that. And I think it was sort of like minutes and lines and it was almost equal. I think like, you know, Iron Man and Captain America had maybe a couple minutes more, but it wasn't as much more as you think it would be compared to the other characters and it, I'm just looking forward to the Joss Whedon edit of Justice League because I feel like it's not just going to be, you know, Oh, we'll get to see Wonder Woman kick and see her hair do the Beyonce thing. I think we'll also hopefully just get to see her like talking and stuff. Well,
1: um, Joss Whedon for president, um, I'm in full support of anything he produces because it doesn't actually matter to me what he produces. I will chase it. Um, because much like the the very in kind of initial conversation we had, when you find somebody whose brand you believe in, whose content you believe in, we should follow them and support them. So Joss Whedon for president. I'll take him over
0: Trump any day. We almost got through without saying his name. That's okay, though. It happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We'll we'll try to uh, maybe have the the style guide for this be that we just refer to him as the the forty fifth, because so I think that is catching on. That has caught on.
1: I apologize. I I didn't mean it in anything but a pro statement.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that it'll be interesting. A lot of content from this era, uh, whether it's, you know, talk show snippets on YouTube or podcasts or other things, how they'll age uh, because of the political tangents, or maybe it'll just be an interesting kind of, uh, you know, sociology project, doctorate thesis kind of material gathering To sort of see the impact across all kinds of content that's created. I don't know. It's weird. But yeah, we're on a ramble. So,
1: yeah, we've totally digressed. So we should just stop. So thank you, listeners. Yeah. And thanks, P. Yeah. It's ancient random. But this is great. And I'm glad that I saw this movie. I love movies and don't know when I became a movie kid, but I know that I am one.
0: I think you and I have the same affliction in that uh, we're always, our minds are very busy. And I think, I know for me, it's that it's the one place when I'm watching a movie that I turn off and I just watch the story. And I think for somebody who's as busy in the brain pan as you, I think movies are a great way to just enjoy the show for a hot second. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. And hopefully I'll have some updates for you on my long list the next time we talk. It's been great talking to you.